Welcome to Campaign Chemistry, where we pick the brains of creative alchemists, business wizards, and marketing geniuses behind the world's greatest brands. I'm your host, Allison Weisbrot, editor of Campaign US, and my guest this week is Mark Darcy, Vice President of Global Business Marketing and Chief Creative Officer at Facebook, where he works with marketers around the globe to use the platform's various creative offerings to drive business. Darcy, who started Facebook's creative shop back in 2011, has been with the company as it transformed from the core Facebook platform, selling banner ads on the right-hand rail, to a global collection of some of the most powerful marketing and creative tools in digital advertising. Darcy joins Campaign Chemistry at Head of Can Lions, where the company will be showing up virtually in a big way, engaging with 500 guests from the agency community. Hi, Mark. How are you? I'm all right, Allison. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, excited to have you here on the podcast this week. So I think before we get into, um, you know, talking about creativity and, and its role at Facebook, I'd love to hear more about your role because you've been at Facebook for, for quite some time. Um, so what are you focusing on day to day right now in your position? Yeah, I've been here 10 years actually this week or last week, I think. So um, congrats. Well, thank you. It's, it is it is quite a amount of time. I mean, for the last three years, I've been running business marketing. Um, so I started out doing the, you know, the creative role and building out a team called the creative shop. And then I think it's about three, it was just coming up three years ago. Um, I moved over to run our business marketing team, which is a team in many, many cities all around the world. Um, that really look after our, our business and our partners around the world that, you know, use, use Facebook and Instagram and, and, messenger in a whole bunch of different ways to grow their business, connect, create, do all the kind of things you'd imagine uh, people are doing on our platforms. Got it. So, so is it fair to say your previous role was more about marketing for Facebook and now it's more about helping brands market successfully on Facebook and its platforms? No, actually when I, when I joined Facebook in 2011, um, I had a, a, a vast global team of two people and we set about to, um, to, to really see how creativity was going to sort of be used as a, in terms of advertising, in terms of our business. And it was, if you think back to 2011, Facebook, we had little ads on the side of a website. You know, there was no mobile, there was no Instagram. It was, it was a very, very different place. And it was really like, what is creativity going to be? And that turned into this very simple belief that creativity you know, and I think this is as true now as it's been probably true for for a hundred years. Creativity just unlocks the potential of creative. Sorry, creativity unlocks the potential of technology. And no matter what you're looking at, if you add creativity to it, it becomes better for people and more valuable, or at least potentially so. And so that's what that job was for the first seven years: was building out the team that became the Creative Shop, founding the Creative Shop, and that team working with. At, you know, at the first front, the biggest advertisers in the world, the big agencies, and then cascading that down into how we create, use creativity to help small businesses and other people make the most of all the, the, the people and things they can build across our company. Awesome. Okay, cool. Um, so obviously, Facebook's offerings have changed a lot over those 10 years. Um, you've got, got a few new apps under your belt to look after, a few new platforms and um, different ad products and things like that. How would you describe the way um, that brands use creativity on Facebook, how that's changed over time as the product has changed? Yeah, well, I mean, for me, you know, I mean, brands obviously use them in such a, a vast, you know, array of different ways. But for me, it's always been around 
this from the very beginning, just putting people first. And just and it's the same as I would when I was working in television or magazines or anything else. I just also had this basic assumption with advertising that like wherever you're showing up, you have to assume the intent that you're not wanted there. That 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 you know you need to we used to have a t shirt that was defend the feed, which was this idea that as marketers we we got to approach audiences with humility. And I think that's always been true, but when when we have audiences that have infinite choice of where they can be spending their time, zero cost of movement between those choices. Advertising just needs to have this deep sense of humility with how we're showing up and and how brands use creativity is, I think, and not, not just creativity in the craft sense, but creativity in its entirety is to say, how can I have the most relevant, rewarding, useful connection with this person so that it rewards their time and attention in a way that that's going to, you know, have some respect to it. Now, Traditionally, like if you'd asked me that question or I'd been talking about that 15 years ago, I would have been talking about purely about narrative form. I would have been totally talking about storytelling and I would have been talking about things like that. But when you think about how brands use our platforms, not just our platforms, but you know everything right now, um, there's just so many other ways that brands can manifest value. You know, Saving somebody 50 cents on a cup of coffee has extraordinary value in the right context. Um, you know, Telling somebody something useful. Um, informing people, connecting with people, creating a, a messenger thread to provide service. All of these things manifest value. And, and really, um, while obviously campaigns are a big part of what I think people do on Facebook, I think it's far more about connections. And I think that's the big shift. If I've seen one shift over the decade, I think that's the huge shift that's gone on. Interesting. And when you talk about connections, do you mean showing up for people in the right context, in the right moment, as opposed to just putting out a message and, and hoping someone sees it? Well, I just, uh, yeah, I mean, I just think we have a myriad of, you know, whether it's a big business or a small business, like because, we, you know, we've got, I don't know what the number is, 200 million or something businesses, some some number, somebody will correct me. Um, you know, the, the, there's, a, there's such a vast array of ways in which we as people connect with the businesses we care about or want to discover. And, it, you know, the, our traditional way of thinking, well, I, you know, I become aware of something and I sort of then take the next step. It's all, it's all upside down, right? So many times we're discovering things on Facebook, on Instagram that delight us. And we like, we buy them. The first thing we do is we go, that's amazing. You know, and you want to, you, you want to experience that. So that's a connection. And then that connection. So the, the opening connection could be commerce could be like the, what we call discovery commerce. Then that gets enriched because, then I'm aware of that. I bought this product. I love it. Then I see a film they made that tells me this incredible story of how the product's made, or I, or I create a conversation or a comment. So the order with which we have connections with brands and the way in which brands, I'm saying brands grandiosely, it could be a small company, the way they serve and rich and, and, and tell their story can happen in any kind of order. And it's, a, it's really a relentless thing that I think as marketers we need to invest in to say, are we showing up in the right place? Are we being useful? Are we being respectful? Are we providing some kind of value? Right. Um, and so that's obviously sort of, I'm, I'm assuming where the genesis of, of Creative Shop came from, which you founded and is now, I think, a little bit more than two people globally. Um, so what's your, what's your relationship with, how do you work with Creative Shop now, currently? And, uh, you know, now that I think agencies and marketers are sort of more on the same page in terms of the customer journey showing up in relevant ways as opposed to just the way it's always been done. Um, how does, how does creative shop help advertisers do that? Well, we just, we 
just um, brought in Nikki Bell to to run the creative shop, and and I think the the mission of the creative shop has always been the same, and I think it's to be a little bit around the corner. One of the great you know benefits of working in the creative shop was you see sort of the canvas and paint that's being developed, and you can look and you can say where is this going? What where is this going to be interesting? So when I think back to the journey we took as a company from little ads on the side of a website through the introduction of video or carousels or immersive experiences or live ads or whatever it may be, the creative shops were always positioned to be um, doing like um, explorations with our partners, with agencies to say, oh, how, how can this work? What will this be? And then a big relationship with my team, my global, but um, the business marketing team is seeing where those frameworks and those ideas sort of really take off and have real efficacy and delight so we can scale them to lots of people and people can go, that's really valuable. That's something that, you know, we, we can do. Mm-hmm. So I know that um, you, you work with both large advertisers and small businesses. Small mm-hmm. business has been a huge focus for Facebook in the past year, probably more than more than just the past year. But talk about how, um, how where your team and, and your expertise adds values, adds value to that community. Yeah, well, I mean, I think this year, like, I mean, and we're not alone in this. I think so many companies, you know, whether they're technology companies or any company that's been connected to small businesses around the world have have a heightened sense of responsibility um, during not just COVID, but also just the economic um, fallout all around the world. And it's still going on. It's not like it's behind us. We're, in the, we're still in the midst of it. And I think, you know, when, when I remember at the beginning of March, Last year, just um, just sitting down with the team, saying this is this is a non-trivial time. You know, the, the work that that we do is really important because because small businesses are going through this big leap, and a lot of people have you know spoken about your podcast probably with you and, and and written many articles about it. This big leap, this big leap that we made that compressed half a decade or a decade of of um, technical shift, a behavioural shift into six months, twelve months. And so navigating that was a huge responsibility of, of not just my team, but Facebook, but particularly my team in terms of education. So a big part of um, the business marketing team looks after our help desk, Facebook for Business, all of our educational programs through Blueprint. Um, and so making sure we were in the fastest, best way possible, communicating what businesses could be doing, how they could be doing, whether it was restaurants with service or whether it was um, you know embracing e-commerce, all these kind of things. There was a criticality to that that was that was non-trivial. In addition to that, we we launched a big grants program around the world. We had another grants program specific to black-owned businesses in the U.S. Um, we launched a, a, a huge number of initiatives to to do the most help where we th- thought it was needed most. And I think it fired up the team around the purpose. And I think a lot of marketers and a lot of people that I'm sure um, are connected with you, you know, have, have got their own stories. We've got no no monopoly on this. You know, there's a real um, feeling, I think. I think my friend Rob Riley said it that you know. I think at its best, marketers would in no way first responders, but maybe we were the third, third responders. Um, that we were the third line of response, and how we could use whatever um, assets we had to help. And I think that's that's the focus on small business was very much focused on that. How could we help? Right, and and that sort of led to. Um you know, the good ideas deserve to be found campaign, which is all about 
helping small businesses, but also had a component about, you know, personalized advertising, um, which is obviously a big, a big focus for Facebook and, and a huge part of why you're such a successful advertising platform. Um, talk about why that was a message that you felt that, or that Facebook felt needed to be communicated to, to a consumer audience. Well, I mean, just starting with, with good ideas, like when I, when I came to um, the business marketing team, you know, that, that was one of the first things we talked about was, was if you look at, if you look at the way in which a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of small businesses talk, they don't, they don't talk in the sense that they started a business. People start with an idea. I was with a small business the other day, actually doing an immersion conversation with her, and she said, I had this idea. And you, her face lit up. She was like, I had this idea. And then the barriers are how you translate that idea into the way it has a shot. And, and, and for all of human history, people have had ideas and there's been just endless barriers between that idea, that good idea they have, like, oh, I've got this idea, and finding out whether there's an audience, a marketplace, you know, someone who's interested in it. And one of the great gifts, and, and it, you know, it could be because I grew up in New Zealand or my age or whatever, I remember that being impossible, that the geographic technical economic barriers between people having good ideas and them having a shot were very, very high. And a big part of that was was marketing, was, was just how would you get discovered? How would anyone know about it? And the internet did a lot to bring that down, but it didn't do enough. And one of the best things that I've seen that, that people use is our platforms to, to, again, bridge that divide of an idea being in their head to it manifesting so people could be interested in it. So being obsessed with giving people the potential for their ideas to be discovered has been something, you know, a lot, you know, long before that campaign. The campaign, I think, is really powerful because it hits on a point that's really important, which is that, that can easily be lost, which is the power of having ads that are, that are relevant and rewarding to people, that are personalized to people, is better for people. I mean, one of the great journeys I've seen, you know, being at Facebook this long is the, the, the raging complaints I got when I joined the company from friends and family about how irrelevant and, you know, silly the advertising they saw on Facebook was. Why are you showing me this thing? I have no interest in this thing. And we've got a lot better at that um, in terms of having advertising that, again, it should be relevant and rewarding. The flip side of that is that advertising that's relevant and rewarding is better for people because we see things that have, have, have contextual relevance to us. But it's also a lot better for businesses because it enables businesses to reach the right people with the thing that they're about. This isn't just about media efficiency. This is about businesses that would be seemingly impossible without the level of contextual relevance of like, oh, I'm, you know, I've got, I've got a, you know, I'm a, I'm a vegan Norwegian fisherman that needs an overall. You know, I, I'm going to be I'm going to be able to have a marketable product for that person if that's the person I'm going after. And so these businesses that that um, and it's not just niche businesses; it's businesses that have a unique worldview to find people. Those are the ones that are being discovered, and and that that's an economic growth and that's an opportunity of creativity that's just just never been there before. Right? Is it possible though? because the conversation about privacy has gotten so much louder online, is it possible to still provide these tools, these resources, this platform for businesses without having the level of targeting that Facebook does offer? Yeah, I think, look, the need, the need for privacy, I think across the whole internet, the need for privacy and transparency control 
um, has always been true and has never been truer, you know. And I think the level of control and transparency that we led the industry in, you know, if you compare it to so many other things that I've, you know, the, those of us have been around for a few decades in this in this industry, um, you know, we we give more than than almost any other platform I can think of, and and we need to do a lot more, not just in the tools, but I think in the communication of how actually personalized advertising works, and that's a big part of I think you asked before why we're talking to consumers about this message because it's really important that people understand how actually personalized advertising works rather than, you know, the, the myth of how personalized advertising works. For, for us, privacy and personalized ads are not mutually exclusive things. And the role that personalization gives, as I said, better experiences for people because the ads you're seeing aren't like a relevant dreck and also better power to small businesses so they have the kind of tools and potential that only the largest, most sophisticated and, and, and rich companies have had historically. You know, one of the things that, that benefits large companies is they can afford to buy media at a large scale and, and have inefficiencies that are built into the system because they have the scale to be able to do it. If you're a small business with 200 bucks, 300 bucks, you do not have the ability to either reach people with that level of sophistication or have the, the network of resources to, you know, to, to support you. That is why our campaign for two reasons. One is about the power of good ideas being discovered, but also the unbelievable sort of advantage this gives millions of small businesses that, that, that you know, wouldn't be able to do it otherwise. Mm. So speaking of those large, large advertisers that have all the money to spend and uh, all the budgets to target who they want, um, mm. they also work with Facebook a lot. Um, talk about um, how you navigate that relationship and how the way that they're using the platform more holistically is changing over time. I know it's a, it's a little bit of a love-hate relationship sometimes, but talk about how it's evolving. Well, I mean, one of the things my, my – um... Friend and partner here, Carolyn Everson, started the uh, Facebook Client Council, which is which is a great sort of collection of, of some of the, the brightest minds from from that client body. And I think they've been consistently our most valuable critics over the years. I've been, you know, I had the pleasure of meeting with them. And and you know, we take you know the the, the, the criticism, the advice, the guidance on what we could be doing better across every level over the last decade that we've been with them, and not just them, but you know, the broader client community around the world. Has been invaluable. Um, I think if there was one macro shift um, in the last ten years, it's been that the, the connection again, going from campaigns to connections, the way in which these brands have adopted, you know, commerce as a huge part. You know, going from just narrative form to commerce to having direct relationships through messaging with their customers. In many cases, in many cases, for the first time, has been incredible. You know, it's, it's enriched their relationship with with their customers, and it's changed how they think of introducing products or, or new ways of doing business. And again, you know, one of the elements of of the shift through COVID is that's been accelerating because of the the D 2 C relationships that a lot of these large brands are having, or just even communicating. You know, new things, new new products, innovation they're launching to serve people. So I think you know the the, the trick. If there was a, a, a trick of, the, of a way, or actually a trick, a simple way of thinking about it. I think when used correctly, Facebook enables small businesses to have the potential of big businesses in the way they connect, in the way they reach, in the way they they show up. And we give large businesses this power to have intimacy and and service that makes them feel like a well-loved small business. 
and there's like two ends of the same telescope. And if you use them right, big businesses can have a connection to community. They can listen harder, so they understand what people are looking for. They can, you know, get through messenger threads, through how people are commenting. And, and for small businesses, they can have global scale. Both these things are kind of amazing. Um, and the brands that do it, those are the connected brands that are growing really well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it is interesting, right? Like there are so many new different different ways to connect with consumers online, like e-commerce exploded in the past year. Um, there's, you know, video has been growing like crazy for years. Um, what is the most exciting tool or I guess what form of expression that or technology that's available through your platforms now that brands can leverage in a creative way, um, you know, SMBs and, and well, I think, I think broadly in terms of commerce, like I'm really interested and excited and we see this through Southeast Asia in a huge way. And, and, and I little doubt we're going to see it more and more. Is this this idea of, I think we've seen commerce, online commerce be somewhat, somewhat utilitarian in the sense that it's been, it's an incredible thing, but it's about, I need X, Y, Z, and this is what happened, you know, and I've got a really fast way to find it through the power of search or through through whatever it may be like, oh, this is what I need and here's a way I can find someone. I, I think we're going through the next era, which is really powered by discovery and delight. And this idea of the, the idea of shopping and discovery and imbuing that with entertainment and joy and, you know, through the design mechanics of friction-free design, there's a whole new world opening up. And live shopping is a great example of this. And, and so you're seeing sort of um, enriched experiences of commerce, which are not just, you know, I need X, Y, Z, here's the fastest, most convenient way to get X, Y, Z, but you're seeing that imbued with, with an experience. And so that world, I think, is just at the very beginning of being discovered, but it's fascinating because you're taking things which are video, um, messaging, you know, whatever the, the paint and canvas that we have across our platforms, but through creativity, you're seeing creators in particular, but you're seeing businesses say, well, how do we thread these experiences together? And from a creative standpoint, you've got, yes, you've got narrow perform, you've got friction-free design, you've got a whole bunch of things going on, but it's the idea that's going to win. It's the personality that's going to win. It's the craft of whatever that's going to be that's going to win. Um, and that's really cool because I think you've got two things. One, you've got brands that have connection. Their value is going to be, you know, you know, quite deep. And two, you've got commerce. You've got measurability. So that I know that if I'm investing, you know, X amount of bucks into this thing, I know I can look at the return that I'm getting. So it's very measurable. And I think mm. that is an aspect of, of the fusion of like joy, humanity, love, you know, a feeling around a brand, but also the utility of actually commerce. That's a really exciting place to be. Right. Like the, the funnel is collapsing. Essentially you can, you can do it all in one place and measure well, it, which is. Yeah. I, I, I Obviously we talk about that all the time, you know, Alison, like is a funnel collapsing? I think it's just, there's, it's not really sure it's a funnel. I think it's all the elements of the funnel are there. There's just a door through every one. You could, you can almost start anywhere. Mm-hmm. And, and once you start anywhere, you'd still need to invest. So, you know, I sort of said this before, I'm sure you. I'm sure you do this. I'm sure you, you know. You buy thing. You see something on Instagram. You're like, that's amazing. I didn't need. No, I needed that. Look at that. You know, and that's discovery. That's like that joy of that serendipitous joy. Of like that's amazing. And hopefully, if if we've done our work and 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 the shop is well set up, you're gonna have a pretty easy way of buying it. Mm-hmm. But 
and so so and hopefully the product arrives and you like it but that's not the end of the journey you know the marketing is an end that's just the way you started that journey and then then how how do you deepen that what are the stories how do you learn more about the company what, what are the other elements i don't think anything in that is new but i think the opening on action is is way more um differentiated than it was maybe a few years ago so that's a lot of how we are discovering the brands we fall in love with is through purchase Mm, interesting yeah um so we were you mentioned creators before um also a huge focus area for platforms yeah how do you see them tying into creativity on facebook and and facebook's platforms and how does that um how does that change your relationship with creative agencies like in a lot of cases i think that that brands are tapping into influencers to almost be their creative agencies, like especially on platforms like TikTok. So how does, how does Facebook see that as an opportunity? Yeah, well, you know, my team also, you know, we look after a lot of different elements of, of how we work with creators. And one of, the, one of the things with creators, and obviously it's hard to just do a singular sentence around such a broad, diverse, interesting group. But I think one of the things is, is how they get paid. And so, so you know, People who are looking to do this, you know, as, as an economic outlet, you know, we want to we want to make sure that they we treat them with respect in terms of, in terms of a business. For brands that are that are, and we, you know, we obviously work with creators a lot as well. I found that you you still need a framework. You know what I mean? Like like the idea that you can just aggregate amazing creators without an idea without a centralized idea or a purpose or a mission or all the kind of craft we put into marketing communication i think is somewhat shotgun i mean you may get something that's extraordinary because somebody's so gifted they synthesize your entire marketing strategy for you and do something that could happen but generally i think we're far better off as marketers having a framework and and creating those opportunities to work with the right people to do something with mutual value that's going to take that forward, but it's defined with a framework of, of we know where we're going. And, and so, you know, and then our education, our, our engagement with the creative community, the creative community is making sure they're, you know, respected for what they're doing, the opportunities are right, and they're also getting paid um, a commensurate amount for what they're doing. A, a big part of that for me is making sure that we have ways of measuring the efficacy of our investment with, um, the creator community so that so that marketers have great confidence that this is a sustainable ecosystem not a not a not a short-term kind of well this is the thing we're talking about this week so i should i should invest it's got to be a sustainable ecosystem because we want this to be something that's going to be really successful for a long time right um yeah totally and i think i do think these worlds of like creators brands technology, you know, e-commerce, they're all sort of converging and, and that live streaming trend is, is really the perfect example of it. Are there any other um, ways that you see, you know, different parts of like the creative marketing world converging to create new types of opportunities for brands? Well, yeah, well, I think the distributed creative models, whether it's, you know, Whaler or any, many other companies are, are quite extraordinary in terms of where creativity happens. You know, I, I will often um, no doubt bore to tears the younger members of my team or the, you know, the creative shop. We're talking about the, like when I started out in the business, you know, creativity was pretty, pretty much focused into like one part of one kind of business called an ad agency. 
and and there was a creative company that was where you you went and got a job and they were they were in certain geographies and and you went in and if you were lucky enough to get a job in one of them that's what you did and now i think creativity the, the, the concept of creativity it's almost redundant to say it permeates so many different elements of business in totality you know the the, the fact that i work at a company like facebook is still kind of astounding to me um because it's such a leap from where I started and the fact that there are, you know, hundreds of thousands of creative people that permeate um, the industry in a distributed sense. And for, from the point of view of where creatives can create, you know, they're, they're creating from everywhere and because of networks, because of the way in which they're being um, tapped into, there's a myriad of ways that that creative capital is being used to grow businesses, to come up with ideas and, and have like a global impact from anywhere. That's a radical shift from the hyper concentration of creative communities that sort of you, you, I grew up with and, and were very normal. And I think we're just beginning to see the benefit of that. One of the biggest benefits being um, diversity, right? So you have people from, you know, that, are, that for whatever reason do not have the ability to congregate in the main traditional centers of creativity and they can contribute from anywhere. And I think that's an amazing, amazing thing. It's like, you know, the business has had to go to the diversity rather than just hoping the diversity comes to them. Right. For sure. It, it opens the playing field so much. Um, and, you know, diversity has obviously been a huge conversation in the creative community for a while now, especially in the past year. Um, and Facebook, Facebook is, is really at the center of that in a lot of ways, right? Because Facebook is always at the center of cultural conversations. It's where these conversations take place. Um, and, and it's also made a lot of investments in minority communities over the past year, um, especially with your small business focus. What what responsibility does Facebook have as, you know, the largest media owner and, and one of the largest companies in the country, um, let alone the industry, in this area? I think we have a huge responsibility. You know, I, I think on, on I could look through almost any dimension, whether it's, you know, and, and um, I, I remember sitting down with Antonio Lucio, a former CMO, you know, and, and looking at this from the point of view of in front of the camera, behind the camera, um, when we built our agency portfolio of talking about, you know, the, the kind of representation we wanted to see. And, it, and it's not just, you know, a good thing to do, although, sorry, it's not just the right thing to do. It's what we need to do when you have, when you serve a community, and this is so obvious it, it but I'd need to say it when you serve a community as diverse as Facebook, it is impossible to sort of think about having any aspect of what we make or build, not have some reflection that some deep attempt at a reflection of making sure the stories we're telling, the marketing we're building, the ads we're shooting reflect those communities, um, you know, through, and, and that's just through the things we make. I think in terms of our investment in small business, you know, this, this comes down to a, just a very deep focus that that the world, you know, the, the, the chips are stacked against a lot of people, you know, whether it's because of geography, whether it's education, whether it's technical capacity, whether it's, you know, any number of systemic things that hold people back from having their idea, their little business, their big business have a shot. We want to make sure that they have the best possible shot they can on our platforms. And so that means when we invest, we make sure we try to do the most good for the, for the people who need it the most. So we will go into communities. COVID um, overly impacted 
um, women in the workforce and female-owned businesses. It overly impacted negatively black-owned businesses in the U.S. So when we sit down and we say, well, what can we do? We will over-invest in areas that we know we need to do the most good. And so like areas that I'm super proud of that we launched this year was like a, a franchise by Black Friday, where we took Black Friday and we worked and we did this across the whole company to bring about a real focus on Black-owned small businesses around the time that's traditionally, you know, predominated by, by you know, traditional going and, and buying in a sale. We wanted to try and use that to, to, to really focus on the need to support um, Black-owned small businesses. Things like that are things we will continue to do. We're doing it this month with um, Asian um, AAPI um, Heritage Month. And so, you know, we'll continue to do that, not just in the U.S., but around the world as we see opportunities to, to do what we normally do every day and make sure we're doing it to, to people we, we think maybe need it more. Yeah. What about, um, you know, you mentioned that you had sort of thought about this in the context of your agency roster. How do you hold your agencies accountable um, when it comes to diversity in front of and behind the camera? Um, well, we, we, you know, it's different around the world. So there's different areas, you know, that you can hold people, quote unquote, accountable by law. So whatever the applicable laws are, we follow. But the spirit of it is that we want to see representation as diverse as the communities we're serving. And so that means we, we, you know, and it's not just casting. One of the things I think that's, you know, really important in this conversation of, of you know, freeing the bid, uh, freeing the work as well as casting is it's not just optics. It's not just performative. You know, I'm, I've been six years. I've been very, very lucky to be on the board of Ad Color. Uh, Tiffany R. Warren, um, you know, and the, the rest of the board, it's been a huge education process for me and just learning um, around the critical importance of diversity and inclusion in every aspect. So it's not just about your, your, your ads on Facebook or on TV. Having, having a, a cast of characters that we like box ticking, it's really through the entire process of, of the development of the work, the marketing departments, and also you know, the people in front and behind the camera. And I think you just have to hold people accountable. You have to ask the questions. You have to um, say, this, do, this doesn't feel right. What is going on? And as much as you can, you need to maintain it as a regular part of the conversation with the agencies. And I say, you know, agencies are deep. The agencies we were with are deeply committed to it. It's a it's a regular um, part of our conversation on on how we work. And again, it, it makes the work better and it makes the work more representative and thoughtful. Or you know, in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, it ain't, it's not rocket science. Yeah, but it does seem to just continue to be an issue in this industry. Um, do you think that the industry like is is committed in a different way over the past year, or what what can it still what can we do to be better? Well, I've seen a huge. I mean, I think there's been a a, a, a much bigger part of the conversation over the last maybe two or three years um, compared to sort of I don't know when I first joined AdColor, it's definitely shifted a lot. Um, and I think AdCol has done incredible work um, on this for, for a long, long time. You know, they've been telling the story and, and, and the industry is starting to listen. It just needs to be about action. It's not about, it's not about narrative form or, or, or just representational panels or on TV commercials. It's deep. It's what is your talent bench? How are you doing recruiting? Are you doing, you know, what is your diversity hiring policy? What, what investment are you making into learn? And, and to grow through your talent pools about people you're developing. You know, what is your what is your, your process of inclusion? Are you getting feedback from your teams? All these things are an investment above and beyond 
you know, ticking boxes that, that, that can start to have some change. And we are far from, per, you know, this is not coming from somebody who's in a position of like, this is, this is real work and, and I'm as learning as much as anyone else today. But, but the, the benefit of it is, is you know, at, attracting diverse talent all over the world. One of the other things too, it's not a North American thing. This is a global, a global issue. Uh, we just launched a program, Broom in the UK, um, focused on the same thing, diversity in marketing. If I go to Brazil, the, the, you know, the paucity of, of black representation in marketing and advertising is a huge thing um, that we're focused on as well. So I think one thing is not just North America, it's global um, and if you're in a position to to influence, and I think everybody in marketing is in a position to influence just by the choices, the diversity of supplier choices we make, um, it's really important we do everything we can. Yeah. Well, speaking of being in a position of influence, like Facebook obviously has huge influence over the world and, and the marketing industry more specifically. Um, and, and a big trend this past year has been brand purpose and sort of like walking the walking the walk behind what you say, how is that, how does Facebook approach that? I mean, it's, it's particularly tricky for a company like Facebook, right? Because you're always at the center of these like really contentious societal and political conversations. So, you know, sticking to one purpose, I would imagine can get difficult. Like how do you navigate that? And what advice do you have for, for brands looking to do the same? Yeah. I mean, I think through action, I, I, I think people, gross generalization, people are really smart at understanding the difference between um, any brand, including Facebook, talking, talking and the actions. And, you know, we obviously have, you know, a, a much higher degree of complexity than a lot of brands that will be listening or marketers are listening to this because we, we you know, we, we remain and will remain in the center, as you say, of enormous societal issues. But no matter what the issue is, you would look at the action. What action are you taking? What what are you actually doing? And then you're talking about the thing you're doing. And from you know a personal experience, I'll tell you, when we sat down at the beginning of um, COVID and and you know the economic issue that you're like, well, this is what on earth is going to happen. We looked at that and we were you know I I think if I looked at my budget, I looked at my plan for the year. We were going to invest a lot in you know, telling the story and, you know, we, we hired um, Droga5 and we're very excited about doing, you know, business marketing around good ideas and a, and a, in a very different way. And I look at it and I go, well, we, we, we pivoted and through, you know, Cheryl's leadership, we, we ended up giving, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in grants to small businesses to help liquidity. And it was, you know, and, and that was a pretty major pivot of saying what we actually need to do there is to take action. Um, we need to do everything we can to do what's needed most. And I think every brand is held to the same level of, of rigor now that you can't take a stand for something you don't stand for. You can't just co-opt, you know, social issues or make statements that ring hollow because people will say that's just simply not true. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think that's going away. I, th I think the, the era of, of having some sort of narrative form to to help sort of offset the reality of, of, of long gone. Mm, yeah, that's definitely true. Well, speaking of uh, things that are changing and long gone, uh, obviously the way that we do business is completely different than it was even a few years ago. And that's had a big effect on creativity and the way that brands go to market. How do you see the role of creativity in business 
changing as we continue down this path of more digital, more time online, um, more technology dominated lifestyles. Yeah, well, I mean, your your dream would be that as technology gets better, it, it doesn't the, the feeling of, of anything dominating us will will recede. Um, one would hope. Um, I hope so. I think. Look, I I always feel when I'm asked questions about creativity, I always feel like I, it's I only see the solution that puts me at the center of it. So I, I have a very simple, very simple brain when it comes to creativity. I just think it's arguably one of the most valuable sort of resources in business. I, I, you know, I I can sort of go back to Burnback saying the same thing and I feel like I'm just stealing from him. It's just, it's just, I just think of it as the most, one of the most valuable levers in any business to solve problems and to see what's not there. So creative capital, you know, creative capital, you know, I started applying it to write being a copywriter, but that creative capital, that ability to synthesize complex things and make them simple, that idea of being obsessed with people and, and understanding like what people, how people are thinking or what they're worried about or how you can serve them in new ways and like, oh yeah, this would be really amazing. Manifesting that so businesses serve people that, that you know, at its, at its absolute best, I think marketing is should aspire at least to be like the humanity of business, the humanity of capitalism in the, in the sense that there's lots of forces going on inside a business around efficiency and growth and shareholder value and this and that and the other. And marketers, marketers should, should represent the people and say that's, you know, we can do, they deserve better. This could be better. This is what, this is going to be amazing. This will be delightful, entertaining, valuable, useful, save the money, whatever it may be. And that's the voice that I think businesses can have. And at the heart of that is creativity because the, the sort of every piece of technology, everything that comes out is commoditized in the sense that if everybody has access to it, everybody has access to it. And then the differentiator is, well, what are you going to do with it? And it's sort of self-evident. It's not like a, de- a big idea, but it's like if everybody has pretty much access to whatever the thing is, once the thing comes out, it's, well, who has the idea to overlay on it to do something amazing with it? Mm-hmm. And so that's that's why creativity, that's, I think, why you're seeing creativity and chief creative, this role of chief creative officer. You know, I went to Time Warner years ago and was a chief creative officer. No one ever heard of a chief, like chief creative officer. You know, like, okay, that's fine. You can have that title. No one knew what it was outside the context of an ad agency. Now, now we have them everywhere. Mm-hmm. Creativity is seen as a C-suite level import. And I think that's that that's sort of a, a marker of the role of creativity in business, not just in advertising, but in in almost every aspect of business. Yeah. And, and it's a good thing. And again, I say it with an asterisk, which is like I always worry that I think that because it's job security for me. I always think like, hmm, I think you have this passionate opinion about yourself and your industry because you have this passionate opinion. But I think <laughs> I think it's true. I think it bears out, but it's probably good to have a debate. It's probably a good topic for an industry debate. Hmm. Well, maybe I'll ask a non-creative person and see what uh, they say. Nonsense. There, are, there are horrible costs drag on our P&L and they should all be eliminated. <laughs> ask, have a CFO council and see what, see what oh, they say. Yeah. They, may know, they may know more than me. Sure that would be do. an interesting, interesting yeah. podcast. Um, yeah. All right, Mark. Well, thanks so much for your time. It was great having you here. Thanks for uh, answering all my questions and I hope to talk soon. Thank you very much. Take care. Stay safe. Bye-bye. That's all the time we have this week. Thanks for tuning in to Campaign Chemistry, and we'll see you next time.
Thank you.